Hey there, Fellowship family. You are listening to a channel created for the church in Winchester, Virginia and beyond for the purpose to encourage, inspire, and equip you to love God and love others more and more. I'm Ashton, your host for today, and sitting with me at the table, a couple of FBC pastors, John and John. How are you guys this morning? Doing great. Good. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, we're about to dig into some really, uh, some really fun stuff, and uh, we're excited about um, the upcoming focus that we talked about in this last episode, and uh, the, really the goal for today is just to kind of give uh, a broad overview of some of the, the whys, some of the whats, uh, some of the reasons behind and the purposes behind this next focus on identity and sexuality. Why don't we just jump right in, right off the, the top here, and uh, I'll direct a leading question to you, John. Uh, why should a church do a focus on identity and sexuality? Well, it's a, it's such a tough topic. I think um, when we first were talking about these things going back almost a year, um, realization was that the whole issue of sexuality has affected all of us. Uh, we obviously are all... Um, sexual beings. We all are um, uh, addressing issues connected to sexuality, maleness, femaleness, uh, intimate relationships. We all live in a world where those things are um, obviously on display. And we believe that God has spoken about them really clearly, really uh, in a way that can be understood, in a way that can be practiced. And um, we think that the as time has gone on, uh, and this isn't unique to our own culture, we shouldn't say that these things haven't been before because the things that are going on now really have gone on historically at right. different times. But right now, uh, at least in the American culture and in much of the world culture, um, sexuality and identity are so up in the air. People don't really know what it means to be a man. They don't know what it means to be a woman. They are inventing all kinds of things. And uh, it, it is leading to, um, I think, great sorrow and great fracture. And on top of that, God really has spoken about it. Right. He, and so if we are ignorant of what God said, or if we're swayed more by what the culture shows us and tells us, uh, we can really get in trouble. Our kids can get in trouble, and, and we see a lot of that going on. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. To I'm glad you pointed that out, that this is nothing new. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun. We read in scripture the things that we're experiencing as a culture now. Yep. And just because it's new for America or for our current world doesn't mean that it's new for God mm-hmm. or uh, and, and unknown to him. And I think it's great. I think we have the resources and the word to give us insight and direction. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's actually interesting. In 1948, there was a book written by a Harvard sociologist who was considered one of the two leading sociologists of the first half of the last century, a guy named Carl Zimmerman. And Carl Zimmerman uh, wrote a book on civilization in which he did a study of 3,000 years uh, of major cultures on five continents uh, to examine their rise their stability and their fall. And it's very interesting to see that every one of the major cultures that he studied over this 3,000 year period um, in all these different settings had a very similar rise. And during the rise phase, they were all uh, family centric. Mm -hmm. They had a division of labor. 
They had um, a proliferation of children. They had all the things that we see in the created order were going on when these civilizations were on the increase. The civilizations in each case stabilized to be somewhat productive and somewhat um, gain strength militarily, economically, that kind of thing. But they, every one of them, he pointed out, and this is 1948 he's writing this, uh, that every single one of them declined and collapsed, and the mark of the decline and collapse was a rise in divorce, a rise in confusion of male-female, a rise in uh, abortion, a rise in um, all sorts of social things that are actually going on today. Mm. And when I first ran across that, I was just shocked because... Mm. Number one, I didn't know it was something that had happened culturally. And number two, for somebody to have pointed this out uh, 70 years ago, coming from a a place like Harvard and realizing, gosh, this guy was not writing as a Christian. He was not attacking the culture. He was actually speaking to the culture long before our current problems to say, by the way, did you know this is what's happened sociologically? So I find these things really uh, very, very interesting and very impactful in the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, I think that addressing this uh, is so important because um, I think a lot of times we're silent on issues mm-hmm. that are really in our culture crying Absolutely. out. And uh, parents uh, need, I think, help as a as a family here at Fellowship Bible Church. You know, we want to help one another address these things, um, not to be afraid of them. Uh, but to see, you know, that, that God, you know, he asked the question in Psalm 119, verse 9, how, how can we keep our way pure? Mm-hmm. It's by keeping it according to his word. And so his word speaks to purity, mm-hmm. speaks to sexuality mm-hmm. uh, and the design that God has for us. And he speaks to the brokenness mm-hmm. that is out there. And um, uh, I've been uh, reading a book by uh, John Stone Street and um, Brett Kunkel called A Practical Guide to Culture. And you, there are four copies waiting in the home center, so first come, first serve on checking those out. Um, but it was just interesting. Uh, he points out, and I, I just want to read a scripture here uh, in Acts where Paul says, um, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made them one man, from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth. And here's uh, very interesting. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope and find him. Um, though he is not far from them, because for in him we live and move and have our existence. And the idea here, there's a lot to say about this passage, but one thing I just want to point out is God has given us life and breath. Mm. We, we exist because of God's uh, idea. But not only has he given us life and breath, but he determined, a sovereign God determined when we would be born, mm. in what culture we would be born. And uh, not only did he determine what culture we would be born, but he also saved us for a reason, many reasons, uh, for his glory, uh, for relationship with him. But I believe also a part of that is, is that we would live in this culture and not be afraid of it, but that we would address the things in our culture for our children, the next generation, um, 
and that we would, as the body of Christ, be salt and light in a in a in a culture that desperately needs needs it because people are broken without mm-hmm. Jesus. And uh, I, I wanted to read a quote from from the book, if I can. It, yeah. Um, it says, not to clarify the cultural issues of our day with the next generation is a dereliction of duty. Not only it is, uh, is it impossible to escape our cultural situation, but God hasn't asked us to try. Hmm. Christians should see their culture as the setting for living out their God-given callings to bring life to his world. Wow. And and that's our hope. You know, yes. that, that's why we're addressing this. Yeah. I think about a, a piece a piece of news I heard just within the last several days where there was a uh, newscaster who happens to be uh, an outspoken Christian and who allows that to come into conversation. And her faith was mocked on air by a, a person who is a, kind of a cultural icon, a, a person who's really well known, but certainly not a friend of Christians. And this person made some mockery about this newscaster's faith and and even allowing it to be kind of brought into the public air at times. And so someone brought that to this newscaster's attention and asked what their response would be or what they how they responded. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. They said, you know, I, I heard about that. I just I just prayed for him. Uh, because what I realize is he needs Christ as much as I need Christ. And so I, I don't look at him as my enemy. Um, and it just, it, it, it reminded me of an attitude of that we don't live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and, mm-hmm. and rose again on our behalf. Yeah. Uh, the Second Corinthians 5, um, verse 15. And, and so really that kind of thing, if we, could, if we can go into a topic like this and say, folks, we have a problem, and, and, and show what the problem is, um, but not do it in a hateful way, not do it in a spiteful or arrogant or self-righteous way, but be able to say, we have a problem because we're doing something that's going to hurt us and it's going to hurt our kids. And it doesn't mean we hate you. It means there's something better. And then whether people respond to the message or not of, of the better, our job is to love them and speak truth and everything else is in the Lord's hands. And so to yeah. me, I think that um, yeah. that issue of not being afraid, and right. like you say, seeing it as our opportunity, yeah. that's really appropriate. Yeah, they, they were. T- I like what they said. It, it, it's our cultural moment that God mm-hmm. has put us in mm-hmm. uh, for a reason, you know. And I, I think about um, my own life, and as we, uh, I, I like our title, identity and sexuality, mm-hmm. um, a biblical perspective, and that that part, the biblical perspective, kind of like what we man- mentioned in our first podcast. That's the key to this whole thing, yeah. because I'm broken. I've sinned um, in this area, and I I don't come as the master. I don't come as you know the one who's arrived. Uh, I come broken as well. And and the biblical perspective tells me that I'm forgiven, mm-hmm. and that God can bring healing. Uh, and and that's that's what we want to share. Is, that's is right. That. That's right. That's really good. Well, and I love that. I mean, this is such a difficult thing to talk about, and I a lot of times. I know I have done it in the past and I've heard others of kind of uh, almost placing some blame on the church for not speaking up about these things, mm-hmm. um, but by being silent. And the reality is that it's a tough, it's a difficult thing to talk about. It really um, is. It's a lot of times it's rooted in identity, which is a great, I love that that's in the title because it's really more about who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in Christ or in the world or in the flesh, it's 
our identity and a lot of times these sexual sexuality issues are rooted in identity it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a decision that people make it's something that they believe is a part of them and, right. yeah. and it is who they are okay. so it makes it incredibly difficult to discuss mm-hmm. and to do yeah. it in such a way that it is loving and truthful um, right. yeah. but i think we have a responsibility and and you know sexuality is something that god has given us it's a good thing it's he made the decision we talked about this last week of mm-hmm. he made the decision to create male and female mm-hmm. to perfectly reflect his image yep. to uh to display who he is to the world mm-hmm. through those two genders mm-hmm. and and then he also gave us the act and the 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 mm-hmm. gift of of sexuality and 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 sex between a wife and a husband and um you know anything that god gives that's a good thing mm-hmm. is going to be perverted and transformed into something that's that's uh right. you know, not what it was meant to be so it just makes yeah. it difficult to discuss mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. i'm just i'm thankful that we're we're taking it well it's 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 very hard because uh, you know i think about news uh, last month of a uh, a jury in dallas that voted in favor of a mother who had brought before the court her insistence that her seven-year-old son begin to go through psychological preparation for what would become hormonal treatment and uh, likely physical gender reassignment. Mm -hmm. Because from the age of three, he had said he sometimes liked to wear dresses and sometimes felt like a girl, whatever that meant. And uh, her husband, the, the boy's father, Uh, was strongly against this. Uh, They had actually become divorced in the course of the, between age three and age seven of the boy's life. And and they shared custody, but she was insistent on going forward with this and sued for the right to do it. And the jury found in her favor, in spite of the father's father's, uh, opposition to it. And so you think, here's a world making a decision like this now, thankfully, I believe, thankfully, a judge stepped in mm-hmm. afterwards, yep. uh, some days later, and said, we're not going to move forward until we have agreement on the part of the parents, so in this particular case. But what we realize is, in another district, that judge wouldn't have stepped forward right. and gone that direction. So what it does is it makes me remember that it's not just about a boy in, mm-hmm. in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people in our own community where... Um, boys are being told maybe you're really a girl Hmm. at heart Hmm. and they're hearing this from the time they're young they're hearing it uh, we had a boy recently tell us that uh, in his fourth grade class uh, that every single week the issue of transgender was coming up for a whole year Hmm. and so what does that do to a nine-year-old they hear this Hmm. and they feel a little uncomfortable and unstable so they think Oh, I get it. Maybe I'm really a girl, or maybe the girl says I'm I'm really a boy. And instead of us teaching them what God has said about these things, we're silent, and the culture prevails. And um, that that's just of that's of a great concern to me that that whole issue of not knowing what a boy and not knowing what a girl, what God has established them to be. Um, and so that's why in the identity section for January, February, and March, one of the things we want to address is kind of what is gender and um, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? What, how do we respond to a culture that's saying um, there's such a thing as a non-binary system where you're neither male nor female or that you're somehow uh, intersex, you're both. And these are the things that are being discussed as, in fact, people are being uh, 
people are losing jobs who will not agree with these things. Yeah. Uh, people are being censured if if they hold to uh, anything that opposes these. I think that's an important distinction that it is being discussed, that it is being talked about mm-hmm. in our culture, in our in the classrooms, in our right. workplace environments. These topics are coming up, and if we're not speaking truth into that as mm-hmm. the church, as the the pillar of truth right. in the world, those things are already being discussed and talked about, and they're going to get their information from from somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. you know, we think about parents who are uh, wrestling with these issues with their kids, yes. um, equipping them to have those conversations. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, parents feeling unsure of how to have those and wanting to mm-hmm. uh, either clamp down in fear or avoid and and hope that. Mm-hmm. something happens on, you know, that God just speaks to them or whatever. Um, the, the reality is that they're going to get information from culture and not, right. not from mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I wanted to just ask another question and just to kind of get into some of the core themes. So what are some of the, the specifics of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, throughout this focus? So our focuses are typically 120 days, four, four months, three, so, three months, three, three months. Three months okay. Yeah. Three months. Yep. Um, so starting January 11th through, through March, um, the three months, right? It is. Yeah. And, yeah. and April a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, this is not something that we're necessarily going to be preaching from the pulpit. Um, not, not out of any fear of that, but we just, we're getting into the book of Romans and it's all going to be tied together. Mark, mm-hmm. will, I'm sure we'll draw out some themes from Romans that apply mm-hmm. to biblical identity and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout these podcasts and throughout our resources that we're going to be giving out and through some of the events, um, I know Christopher Yuan is going to be coming and preaching one, one weekend in February. Um, so what are some of the themes that we're going to be discussing and, and bringing out? You want to go for that? Yeah, you know we're we're excited because we we're going to um, uh, right now. I just want to mention that uh, we've kind of done a couple pre things uh, these podcasts, yeah. uh, and then also we're we're doing a class, an, an adult learning center class <clears throat> that uh, we're watching a video series from Harvest USA, uh, a ministry that is um, just you know the the, the name of the um, adult learning center class is. Uh, God's design for sexuality in a changing culture, mm. and um, and so we've started that, and we want to encourage any FBC f- uh, people to come. Um, it's a very very good class. It's a video class with discussion, and um, and so we we have begun that. Uh, <clears throat> beginning in January, we're going to be uh, wow. talking about January 11th and 12th is kind of our kickoff, yep. and uh, we are going to be doing three intensives. Mm-hmm. Um, on a Sunday morning that will be recorded. And uh, we want to encourage people to come to that. It'll be in uh, the senior high room or F3. Uh, And uh, John's going to take two of those. I'll take one of them. Uh, I'm going to be talking about God's design for sexuality, Um, some distortions. Uh, What is the third one? Um, It left me as I was about to say it. it, Um, Well, we're addressing... I'm in the middle of so many things that we're doing right now that I can't remember the other one. <laughs> yeah, either. yeah, yeah. Yep. We'll make sure those are all linked in the. They are, the and, notes and 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 I also want to say that uh, we have a wonderful card that has been put together yeah. by a team of people that have every that all of this is laid out yeah. um, of what we're going to be covering. But really, January is the foundations, the biblical mm-hmm. foundation for identity and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, February and March, we're going to be moving towards. Um, identity and sexuality and, and some distortions and what does God's word have to say about those things and, and how do we engage people in that? Mm-hmm. How do we train our children? Um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. We're, we're going to have some really great resources for parents. 
um, that uh, they can um, either get uh, at the home center or they can they can check out from the home center. Uh, things like um, talking to your children about um, God's design for sexuality. Um, and we have a resource that is actually going to be, um, it's called The Talk, and it's going to be available to parents. Uh, <clears throat> it's for kids who are six, six years old to 10 years old. And, uh, you know, you might say that's really young. It is really young, but it's very age appropriate. And it's, there's, it's, it's seven lessons on, from um, using scripture and, and, and just talking about um, what, what is God's design. And, um, and so we're, we're going to be doing different things through uh, printed resources, through events. We're going to have uh, kind of two right. town hall meetings, question and answer time with parents and with students. And uh, so this is kind of the themes. Yeah. And in addition to those themes of God's design for sexuality and identity and distortions and how we can respond and how we can train our kids, there are also some sort of sub-themes that the team sees running through everything that we're doing. One of them, for example, is, and there will be some material on this, the realization that uh, none of us is better than another person because we happen to be tempted in a certain way that that someone else is not tempted. The realization that sin is sin. And uh, although the Bible speaks about sin, different sins in different ways with different, sometimes even different consequences, the realization is that sometimes when you enter an area like sexuality, a person could say, well, I could never see myself being tempted that way. I could never, I could never see myself tempted to feel like a female. And as a result, you could end up judging someone else because you've never been tempted by it. Mm-hmm. But what that really is is self-righteousness, and yep. it flies in the face of the gospel. Yep. And so one of the things that we want is while we're – you mentioned these two words uh, earlier. You said uh, practicing grace and, or being full of grace and full of truth, uh, like Jesus in John 1.14. And we really want that. We want people who hear this to be able to honestly listen to what the Bible says – about these issues so that they can openly examine because if we're throwing if we're throwing boulders in front of them by making attacks that are are not humble that are not caring that are not loving um, that where we say things you wouldn't want to say to a friend who was struggling with that if we do that we believe what we're really doing is we're unnecessarily creating more of a stumbling block than was meant to be. We know that Christ is a stumbling block. We know it's a root of offense, that the gospel is offensive in in regards. But we don't want it to be because we're being scornful or or, um, arrogant. Another thing that we really want is we want the fact, uh, both of you actually said something about not living in fear, not living reactionarily. We want parents to actually be optimistic and realize, wow, God laid out clearly male, female. He laid out clear. He he laid out clearly principles of sexuality, and I can teach my kids. And ultimately, I'm not responsible to see to it that my kid follows what God says. My ultimate job is teach her, love her, be an example to her, discipline her, train her. But ultimately, she will be answering to the Lord. And so we want parents to be optimistic about what's given to them and, um, and, and um, 
so there were a, there were a couple of more. Yeah, yeah. Things? Well, you you had mentioned and just uh, the idea that mercy does triumph over judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the John three sixteen uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you that you know, I just saw that. Um, between goalposts, I, I, I said they still do that. That's amazing at a football game. But um, but the next verse, verse 17, says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And it's not our job to condemn. Um, and and so we uh, just, uh, our, our job is, is to share the truth right. and to help disciple people um, and equip people to to see what God has to say about this. And, right. and so that's what our... Well, and the reminder is. then that you said that, that we've been placed in the culture for a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not an accident that mm-hmm. we are living in this time and this age with these issues. And, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it is a great opportunity. And, and a lot of times we look at it as, well, I wish I was, you know, born at another time or, yeah. you know, yeah. things are really just going downhill and mm-hmm. I just can't wait for Jesus right. to come back. I, and, I, 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 you the, know. the fact that my grandchildren have to grow up in this culture, right. I, God doesn't want us to have that mindset right. because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead yeah. is, is, is given to us for those who believe. Ephesians yeah, right. 1 tells us that's that. Right. Yeah. Well, it makes me think what you said makes me think about the story of Jesus when the, the Pharisees brought in the woman caught in adultery and, and they were ready to stone her and they were ready to, you know, mm. in, in their self-righteousness and their, mm-hmm their arrogance, they wanted to uh, punish her for what she had done. And Jesus's response was grace and truth. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. all right, who has the first, the, you know, whoever has no sin, throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's kind of the, the attitude that we yeah. want to yeah. approach this with. Exactly. None yeah. of us are above yeah. reproach. Right. Uh, right. We might yeah. not struggle with some of the specific yeah. things that we're talking about. And, you know, I think a lot more people do struggle with mm-hmm. some of the things that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the attitude of grace and, and yeah. mercy and right. love. Right. Um, yeah. I, Philippians 4, uh, verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Yeah. The Lord is near. Yeah. And um, that's... That's the our, that's our posture because yeah. we have been given s- grace yeah. in our own yeah. lives and and we want to extend that to and, and at the same time we yeah. we you made a you made a um, really fast comment back quite a few minutes ago you said um, um, we don't want we don't want parents to react on either of two responses one could be to be kind of angrily. Uh, overly protectionistic yeah. where they're sort of anti-culture mm. and they're motivated by fear to control yeah. or the opposite which is saying well the heck with it uh, the world's going this way and what can I do about it and where they become laissez-faire in the training of their kids yeah. and 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 really this idea of truth and grace mm. counters that because the person who is overly separatistic and wants to make sure that we are all away from the society and that we don't interact with people because we're the only ones who can protect our kids adequately, mm-hmm. um, that mindset can be full of truth. Yeah. You take the responsibility to teach and train your kids, but there can many times be a real lack of grace. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is many times that produces a fear mindset well, then the other side, the people who are not training their kids, and and they're like what we mentioned last week in uh, Psalm 78, verse 9, the, the mm-hmm. archers mm-hmm. equipped for battle, but they turn back in the day of battle. Yeah. Those who do that, 
that's like saying, well, we want to get along. We don't want to point fingers. We don't want to be judgmental. But what they're also meaning is this is a battle, and I don't want to engage in the battle. And the real battle is how do I stand up for what God stands up for and do it in a loving enough way that it invites other people to have an opportunity to evaluate. I, mm-hmm. I remember, for example, when I was uh, just getting ready to get married and uh, uh, I knew I was going to have responsibilities to lead a family. And, and maybe I said this last week now because I'm hearing it. Um, but I remember feeling terribly inadequate for that challenge. Yeah. But it was seeing that God actually gave assignments to men that made me realize, well, if God gave the assignment, he's going to give the grace to fulfill it. Now, I might get a B minus or a C plus, and someone else might get an A, but that isn't ultimately my concern. My real concern is, can I be faithful to what God's called me to do and to be? Well, what interestingly, knowing that the Lord was behind it, knowing that these were his words that I was following as a father and as a husband when it came to leadership within the home, it, it enabled me to take confidence in my identity as a man. Mm-hmm. Things that as a young man I lacked assurance about because I saw the scripture saying it, it was like, okay, I'm going to step into this. Uh, there, a friend of mine used to have a saying that many times a man, uh, let's see if I'm going to get this right, um, a man doesn't step up as a man until there's a situation for which a man is required. And his idea means that there are responsibilities of leadership and loving sacrifice that many times men will sit back from. We'll be talking about this when we talk about gender. We'll sometimes disengage and pull back because they kind of don't want to get their hands dirty. But when they get in a situation where it's required, many times men find out it's like i've seen young guys who are their greatest interest is video games and then they become a father and they have to make a choice i can still enjoy video games but if video games still it remains my love i will become one of those guys equipped for battle who turns back in the day of battle but if i say my kid is far more important than some enjoyment of a game i'm going to step up and i'm going to be a dad and when that happens you see someone carrying their responsibility. I've seen girls do the same thing as moms. They, they had all their interests, the things that occupied them. They have a child, and the next thing you know, they're more self-sacrificial. Yeah. They're, they're more uh, thoughtful about the future. They're more guarded. They're more intentional. And so in a sense, the irony is that the identity that God appoints us to in what we'll talk about over the next few months, uh, the created order, for example, those things actually... They give us a track to run on. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we are really doing people a favor if we can say, look, look at the track that God has laid out for us. And this is a track for the way we handle our sexual selves, and it's the, uh, a track for the way we handle gender. And it, it really, uh, I think it becomes freeing. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people look mm-hmm. at it and say, well, gosh, it's just a bunch of limits. No, it's, it's actually more like here is a track with great breadth, there's great breadth in that track. It's not a cookie cutter, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, I, yeah. my hope is those things will right. come out over these next few months. Yeah, we were designed a certain way, and when we live according to our design by God's grace, there is fulfillment, yeah. there is health, there is life. Right. You know, if we don't live according to the way we're designed, 
there's brokenness, right. you know, and, and I, again, I, I go back to Psalm 119, Lord, <clears throat> help me not to wander from your word mm-hmm. because when I wander, I, I do, I, we experience brokenness in it. And, uh, yeah. I love the, uh, the analogy of us as sheep, God mm-hmm. as our shepherd has always stuck with me. And, and the idea that, um, when God builds fences, for mm-hmm. us to live in in a certain way, and this is kind of what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, that sometimes the tendency is to look at those fences as barriers mm-hmm. to something better. You know, mm-hmm. the grass mm-hmm. is greener mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when we yeah. look at ourselves, our flesh, mm-hmm. our identity, we look at God as a good shepherd, a good father who wants good things for His children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we live within the bounds of that that area, that fenced area, we flourish. And it's the same thing as sheep, you know, when the sheep get outside of that fenced area, that that's where uh, destruction and death Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things come. See, to me, if you could encapsulate what you just said, and that would be the summary statement for the next three months, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that really is the promise. He's a good God. And what he's given us is good. And, and rather than assuming really, where did it start mm. that we assume that the things that God limited us in mm-hmm. uh, w- was not right and that we should be yeah. able to choose for ourselves? I mean, yeah, right from the start. That's right. 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 You know, uh, when, when you think about God's commands, God's word, when he tells us to do things or not to do things, um, I was uh, reading in the, in the gospel primer, you know, I just thought it was so good, just some meditations on, on the gospel and, and God's commands and the idea that, that his commands really are loving signposts. Um, it's, it's the same God giving us those commands that gave up his son mm-hmm. because of his great love for us. Um, because without Jesus, um, we're dead. And, and so it's the same God. And, and as we reread his word, we, we know that it's from the same God that gave, that did everything possible for us to be saved and brought into a relationship with him. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think that's wonderful to view him that way because that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, just real quick as we wrap up, um, what are just a few things when we just quick, quick points that you can think of. And, and if you have anything else to share, feel free, but what are some of the things that we hope that our congregation will gain from, mm-hmm. from this focus? You know, what are some of the practical, some of the real takeaways that we are hoping that that will happen? Um, well, John um, and uh, William Orth have worked on a kind of a glossary of terms yeah, of, right, of, yeah. of what the culture says are, are uh, definitions of um, all the, the different sexuality terms, and uh, and then what what is a what are what does the Bible say about those? And I I think those are going to be really helpful. Mm. Um, and I know uh, Dennis McNutt has gotten his hands on those and, and actually wants to te- teach through those with the with the youth, and um, and so just. Uh, a clear understanding of what we're talking about, yeah. you know, and what, what is the world saying and what does the Bible say about that? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we, um, we know that sometimes in an effort, you know, the scripture tells us to be babes with regard to evil in a sense of, uh, that, that, that we're not to go try to figure out how many bad things there are out there. But by the same token, the scripture tells us to expose, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we 
expose those things done in darkness because we're children of the light. And uh, it's not, uh, the context does not suggest that we're waving flags and saying, look at all the bad things these people are doing. The context suggests that as we're living godly, we not only don't participate, I think it's verse six that says we don't participate in these deeds. So it's a call away from the disobedience that is really not only in the world, but in the church. So it's a call away from participation in in those deeds of darkness, but it's also to live in such a way that those stand out, like that people look at them and are able to say, that's not right. And and so um, our hope would be that that we would speak enough about what is right and unfortunately enough about what is wrong that people can look, young people, parents can look and say, you know what? There is a better way. God's made a better way. And, and, and we hope that'll give confidence to people to stand in the truth, but do it graciously. Like if they, if a walk, if a takeaway from this whole series was that we had more people who, I I love this story. Uh, John and I both heard it in Indiana. There's a church where some of us go for counseling training uh, frequently in February. And the story was told, um, about seven years ago, that when they wanted to build a campus, a church, a, a, a campus on the other side of town, they wanted to build it as close to the university as they could, because they wanted to have access to the students. Well, in this community, it was kind of, gosh, there are no churches right next to the university. It's a public university. We need to guard the public. You know, we need to not make this uh, have church right there. Well, they had a piece of property that was a block or two away, and it went almost to closing and then it collapsed. And eight months later, they had another piece of property. It, it went along quite far into the process and then it collapsed. And then another piece of property came up that abutted the university. And they thought, man, this is the best of all. We couldn't have dreamed that we would actually, our backyard would be the university. <laughs> so when they went to the city council to see if they could get zoning permission to build this church campus there, the uh, they said, gosh, this will raise a lot of stink in the community. So they said, to have the hearing to decide whether you can do it or not, we're going to have to put it in the high school gymnasium, in the high school auditorium. 700 people came out. They allowed about an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes for public discussion. People would come up with a microphone. They were limited to like two minutes. Get up there and just scores of people come up, you know, and give their two minutes. Hmm. He said that it was about even, that you had maybe... Uh, you know, 20 to 25 for, 20 to 25 against. And it was at the very end. It was inside the last five minutes of the public commentary. And he said the last person to got up, get up and speak was the was widely known in the community. She was the head of the LGBTQ plus community. She was head of the Rainbow Coalition. She was at the head of all the marches. She had a well-known reputation. She gets up and some of the people in the church see her and kind of go, oh boy, this is the last voice. What's, you know, that may not go well. She gets up and says, listen, I, uh, I disagree with virtually everything that this church stands for. Um, they are pro-life. I am pro-choice. Um, I am pro-homosexual rights and homosexual marriage. I know that they oppose those things. She gave several examples, and she said, but I'm going to tell you something. For the last year, my partner and I 
have been meeting with their senior pastor for lunch at their home. His wife and he have had us once a month for the last year. And um, they've never backed down on their convictions, but they've treated us with such respect and with such warmth that I can't imagine restraining their freedom to teach and to present what they do in a nation that is marked by liberty. I choose to lose, use my liberty the way I do. They choose to use their liberty the way they do. We can't stand in the way of that. She got down, and they approved it. And as a result, that church has had a much more prevalent impact on the community. But I look back and I say it was because of God's grace speaking to the heart of that pastor to build relationships and reach out and not just be a preacher, yeah. but to be engaged in the culture in, in relationship. Mm. And then to have enough humility and courage, the courage to stand by your convictions and the humility to do it in a loving enough way that people could be attracted by it. That would be one of the takeaways I would love. Mm. If we could help raise our kids with that kind of compassion for the community, but that kind of confidence in the truth, then that would be a work of God. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one, maybe one last thing is, is, and it's been mentioned before, but just to say again, that we want to, we want parents to be encouraged. We want them to see the opportunity and responsibility to talk to their children, uh, and to train their children in, in identity and sexuality because, um, God calls them to do that, to, to, uh, to instruct them in the word that yeah. way. And, uh, and, but we want them to be confident, like you're saying, confident in God's word, uh, but not to shrink away from that, but mm. to take the responsibility seriously. And, and we want to resource and help parents do that. And so, yeah. Uh, well, I know it's both of your hearts too, that, that it is, you know, we have a, a huge focus on, on family and on mm-hmm. parents and grandparents and, but these truths are applicable to every single person, every single person in our church, the body and, of Christ. And if you are single, if you are um, married with no kids, if you're grandparents with no grandkids, if you're whatever, whatever stage of life in high school, middle school, that these are, um, truths that are applicable because of Christ and because of who we are in him and because mm-hmm. of the charge that we've been given. And, and because him. we yeah. can, uh, like you're saying, we, we, every single person can live out the one another's right. with, with, uh, their family, their friends, yep. and then the rest of the body of Christ. Yeah. So having these these uh, these truths on hand mm-hmm. in your discipleship relationships, in your work coworker relationships, and any kind of interactions mm-hmm. is a is a value. Yeah. Yeah. And the next few uh, podcasts will be looking at the topic of gender. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. where does gender come from? What is it? Um, what are some significant things that we can learn from it as part of a found the foundation that John mentioned when he said we'll talk about. God's created um, his his foundational purposes for our identity and sexuality. And so the next few podcasts will be addressing some of that. Great. Well, you guys have anything else? I think that's that's it. It's a wrap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, this is going to be a weekly release, so uh, come back every Friday morning. Uh, you can subscribe on any of your podcast channels and your podcast apps that you use. Uh, you can search for Fellowship Bible Church or uh, Fellowship Family Podcast, um, and that'll pop up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, mm-hmm. and Google Play and all of those, those platforms. Uh, you can also watch the video version on YouTube if you're just listening to us now. Um, so 
definitely subscribe, hit that notification bell if you're on YouTube and uh, look forward to these. This is going to be a consistent over the next three months and then and then post focus. I think we're going to have some um, some personal testimonies. We're going to have some follow up um, and, and this channel will continue to go uh, throughout until um, we decide to stop. Great. Yeah. Good. So thanks, guys. Great. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank thanks you. for listening. We'll see you next week.